I'm, I'm not, not speaking today. Uh, it's, it's Father's Day. I'm taking the day off. Hope you guys are cool with that. Uh, got a buddy of mine named uh, James T. Roberson III, who uh, his in-laws are members of our church. His wife, uh, was Natasha, was raised in, in Brockton, uh, went to UMass Dartmouth. Uh, they met up in, in Dallas as seminary. Uh, they, they got married. Uh, they, he went into business in, in Atlanta, and he knew God was calling him into ministry. And so they went to Brooklyn, uh, where he's, he's, from, he's from New York, and uh, we will hold that against him. Um, I told him, I said, we will, I actually, I will hold that against him for the rest of his life. Uh, but uh, so he, his, he found out his mom and dad, so they, were, uh, they started the Bridge Church in, in Brooklyn, uh, New York. And uh, four, four years ago, uh, when his in-laws started coming to Grace, uh, they, they kind of wanted to, they, they didn't know who we were, nothing. So they, they kind of checked out the church to make sure we weren't a cult. Uh, I'm just, you know, we're in a warehouse. They weren't sure. So they had to check it out. Um, and then when, when uh, uh, after the service, his, his wife, Natasha, met me in the Connection Center, and we started talking. She, she said that they were a church planter. We're actually in the same church planting network, which is awesome. So uh, I've, I've had James speak here before last year. Anytime he's in town visiting his family, we want to take advantage of that and uh, have him speak here. He's a great preacher. He's a good friend. Would you guys please welcome James T. Roberson III. Hey, dads, how about those donuts, huh? That was good. That when you're a big guy, they actually like encourage you to have more donuts. They're like, we know you want two, three. Gosh, I'm trying to work through this. All right, let's pray. All right, let's act like we're going to preach a sermon. Father, we thank you right now that we can call you Father. We thank you, God, that we have the opportunity to access you. We thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have the opportunity to be more like you. And all of us want to be like that good Father who's dependable and reliable, God. And that's why we've come here to church today, because we want to hear from you. We want to be shepherded by you. And so, Lord, we crawl in your lap. We hear your words. We need your strength. And so we ask, God, that you would drown out all the other distractions and turn down all the other noise in our life. And just for a little bit, Holy Spirit, awaken our minds to the reality of who you are. And change us and make us look more like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen? Amen. So it's always good being here. <clears throat> so uh, I want to talk to you all today in a very practical way about fathering. And I, I, I mean this, and I'm not even joking. The, the brother that came up here before, I love his haircut. We're, all in, we're both in the same follicle condition. Uh, he basically preached my message. Because that is so true, what he was saying, is that all of us are in a, a potential position to father people, to care for people, to have a vision, to be the vision of what someone else could be. And yet there are three things that I believe we need to do to be effective. One of the first things that we're going to talk about is reconciling with your earthly father. Whether your dad is still around, not around, or even never was around, there is someone that you grew up under watching that potentially caused wounds in your life. And we need to mend the gap there. Secondly, we need to receive the adoption as children of God because we do have a heavenly father that is available and gives us access to him. And then thirdly, we want to release a blessing 
to those kids that are watching us and wanting to be like us. <clears throat> and so the first thing is reconciliation. You know, we have a picture up there of my dad and me. So that's me in the middle. <clears throat> those clothes made sense at the time, praise God. <clears throat> Some of y'all wore the same stuff, so you laugh, but you liked it in the 90s. So that's my grandfather to the right. That's my dad to, the le- uh, to, my, to my right, my, my dad, and to my left, my grandfather. And so I'm James C. Roberson III. Obviously, that's James C. Roberson Sr. and then James C. Roberson Jr. And uh, the crazy thing is I-, I was big for my age, so I'm 13 years old there, right? <laughs> now, I'm not kidding. I'm actually 13 years old there. Um, I'm a n- true story. So uh, I just didn't get better. I actually got worse. <laughs> I lost hair and gained weight and... God still loves me. But uh, <clears throat> no, I'm, I'm actually 13 there. So my dad and I, you know, we had this thought that I was going to play in the NFL. And I ended up trying out for the Chicago Bears. And I got hurt in my tryout. I pulled my hamstring in my tryout. And so <clears throat> that became kind of a tension in our life. That there came a point where, yeah, we're, we're smiling there. But my dad and I, we had some issues that we had to work through. And I wonder if you think about your dad What's something you could remember about him? Like when you think, Dad, what's a story or a thought? And when I think about my dad, uh, obviously he was in that picture. He's uh, dressed up in his IBM suit. Uh, One day I came downstairs, and uh, there was a rap group when I was coming up, and they were called Criss Cross, right? Oh, okay. The Saturday night service, they don't respond. Um, So great. Y'all, we're tracking. I was like, Criss Cross, people were like, "Mm mm-hmm. I was like... I'm going to have to explain this. Um, so there was this group, right, Criss Cross, and it had the Daddy Mac and the Mac Daddy. It made, again, another thing that made sense in the 90s. And so they had this song called Jump, and everybody did it. And I was like in ninth grade. And so they would put their clothes on backwards, all right? They would put their clothes on backwards. So my friends and I had this great idea to put our clothes on backwards. And so we came downstairs. As we walked downstairs, my dad saw me, and he says, where are you going, son? I said, I'm going to school. <laughs> he said, with your clothes on backwards? And then, it, and then I started to explain to my dad, Criss Cross, and it felt like Saturday night where I got no good response. <laughs> and so I started saying, yeah, you know, uh, dad, you know, um, well, you know, Criss Cross, and you know, they, they put their clothes on backwards, and he was like, go upstairs and put your clothes on right. And I was like, Dad, everybody is wearing it today. We all planned. He says, I'm going to tell you one more time. Put your clothes on right. I don't want to have this conversation. I said, Dad, crisscross. He says, boy, I will crisscross your behind. <laughs> and, that, and that pretty much summarizes my dad. I would be remiss if I didn't acknowledge my father-in-law and mother-in-law. They're right there. Why don't you just pick up your hands <laughs> right there. <laughs> um, God, I, I just saw y'all there. I was like, oh, hey, y'all. Um, so, so my dad and I, you know, we, we had that. So that kind of summarizes our relationship. And one of the things that was true is that as my dad and I were, were growing in our relationship, we had some issues that we had to work through. And there came a point where I just rejected my dad. You know, I just didn't want him in my life anymore. You know, we, we, particularly the, the, the issue with sports and 
what he wanted me to be, and I felt like I couldn't live up to what he thought he wanted me to be. And I began to just totally deny who he was in my life, and one of the things I could not shake is that even though I was rejecting him, I still wanted him. I still wanted his voice. I still wanted that connection. And one of the things that I realized over time is that this guy still has an effect on me. At 40 years old, my dad still has a deep effect on me. And this is what I want to tell you. If you're a dad here today, your dad still has an effect on you. If your dad was not there or there might have been a father figure or there was someone in your life that had a strong voice, and if they wounded you, that wound is still affecting you today. You know, one, one author said that when it comes to fathers, a good family man is imperfect but irreplaceable. When a, when a man is involved in a family, he's irreplaceable, that, that good man. And when you remove involvement from a child's life, connection, it has all types of effects on a child. And this, this is statistically proven. And it doesn't mean that it will definitively happen, but it is statistically proven that when a father is uninvolved or disconnected or disengaged, poverty increases. Drug and alcohol abuse increases. Physical and emotional health, suicide, depression, all those things. Educational achievement. There's issues that, that get involved. Crime and even a crippled spiritual life. All these are statistically proven that there is a good chance a child will struggle in these areas when the father is disconnected. And so what we can say is that a father is essential. Now there are single parent moms here and you are working it out. And your child will have to have a vision for their life and you are playing a double role as a dad and a mom. But know that connection that's there, that strong voice, it is essential to their lives. One author talked about a father wound. He said a father wound was an ongoing emotional, social, spiritual deficit met in a healthy relationship with the dad that must be overcome by other means. And the way I overcame my debt was I started bouncing in clubs, started smoking weed, got into fights, and I had this anger, this rage inside of me because I was figuring life out on my own. I didn't have anybody to guide me. Not that my dad wasn't there. I didn't want him anymore. And if we're honest with ourselves, some of you still operate with that baggage. And it's baggage you don't open up, baggage you don't talk about, baggage you've decided to move around. And yet you are walking and leading your life with a limp, with an unwillingness to look back in the past. And here's what I want you to do this morning, whether you are thinking about a father that was not there or maybe you're... Maybe your dad was never there, but there was someone there that, that was overseeing your life in a fatherly-like way. Hebrews 12, 8 through 10 is very helpful in this. It says, if God doesn't discipline you as he does all of his children, it means that you're illegitimate and are not really his children at all. Since we respected our earthly fathers who disciplined us, Shouldn't we submit even more to the discipline of the Father of our spirits and live forever? And here's what I want you to hear. 
For our earthly fathers disciplined us for a few years, doing the best they knew how. But God's discipline is always good for us, so that we might share in his holiness. Look at the last part here. The fathers that we had, they disciplined us the best they knew how. They were doing the best that they knew. God, though, is always good. He's always faithful. He's always available. But your dad or whoever played that role was imperfect and brought his own baggage into that relationship with you. And that's the truth. They were fragile themselves, still getting over their own imperfections, working or drinking, involved or disengaged. There is no one I can think of, maybe there are people out there, but no one I can think of on the day you were born that that dad said, I cannot wait to ruin their life. That I I can't wait to add baggage into that kid's life. Most dads I know said, I'm going to do my best. And here's what I can tell you. For many of us, their best wasn't good enough. And there is a father whose best is good enough. And what you and I must do to be available for the people that are watching us now, whether you're 8 or 80, God has, like my brother said, God has got somebody that's going to be watching you one day in a fatherly-like way. In order for us to be as available as we can be, we have to reconcile with our past. We have to mend the gap, close the gap between where that person is and where you are now. Why? Because that's what God did for us. Because our Father sent his Son to die on a cross for our sins. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Christ pursued us when we didn't want him. You remember that day you were just thinking, you weren't thinking about Jesus at all. You had the club music turned up. You were like, hey, hey, I didn't know anything about nothing about Jesus. And you just move on. And God still pursued you. And God wanted you when you didn't want him. And that is the nature of reconciliation. And the Bible says he's given us a ministry of reconciliation. And so we should do everything we can do to mend the gap. Now that may mean that you forgive a father that is dead and gone. That you, you, you don't have words anymore that you can say to them. Well, that may mean that the mother that took care of you, you decide to let her go, to release her from that mental prison and say, I forgive you. You were broken. You were a broken mom. You were a broken father. Some of you had really good dads, and you need to honor them. You need to acknowledge you were a good dad to me. You weren't everything, but you, listen, you you got me diapers, you changed me, you, you did everything you could do, and I need to honor you. And dad, tell me more what it was like when you were growing up. Because one thing I know about dads, they love to tell stories. They really do. And you know, a dad wants to tell his story. And he'll shove it in there at times that you don't want to hear it, praise God, because that's just the nature of dads. They always want to tell you what they went through. But a dad really has a story. Every father has a story. And far too often, kids make heroes out of everybody else except them. And I'm saying, if your dad was a good dad, you need to let him know, and let him know, you're my hero. 
this became real for me in my life. Um, as I got older and started having my own kids, and some of you can relate to this, I had my own kids, and like I saw myself becoming my dad. Anybody ever experienced that? Because my, you know, my dad would just say crazy stuff like, turn that music down, I can't think. And I'm like, dad, you just said a word, like you can think if you're talking, like, oh my God. Who says that? You can't think, you can think. And now I'm like, everybody, just be quiet. And I'm like, I am my father. You know, I'm just going through this. And I'm like, man, I am experiencing some of the challenges he's had. He wasn't that bad. And so I called my dad up. And I was like, you know, I'm just going to start building a relationship with him. And I started ending every phone call with, I love you. Now, my dad is from Moss Point, Mississippi, grew up in the 40s, telling him I love you. It was just like this morning. This morning, I, I texted him, said, Dad, you're my hero. And the phone does this thing that when you're driving, it like auto replies, like I'm driving right now. I was like, this sums up, uh, sums up our relationship. <laughs> Dad, you're my man. He's like, I'm driving right now. I can't speak. I was like, see, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> but I, 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 uh, I started calling my dad and say, hey, I love you, man. And, and my dad would be like, hey, cool. All right. You know, so, you know, we, you know, hang up the phone and no lie. So my wife and I, this year, we've been married 15 years. So this was 16 years. I would keep, praise God, praise God. So it was, it was right before I got married. So I would, you know, keep calling him, keep calling him, keep calling him. Dad, I, you know, love you. All right. And then last year, we had a surprise child because God is the God of surprises, I guess. And um, my dad just loved our little daughter, Sophia, and we brought her down and to North Carolina, and they were hanging out. And we were getting ready to leave, and we put the kids in the car. I said, Dad, and at this point, you know, I've, I'm like in emotional fatigue, so I can't get the I, so I just do kind of the bro man, like love you. Love, I put love you man there, you know, to sound more masculine. So I'm like, all right, I love you, man. And before I got in the car, my dad was like, I love you too. So I get in the car. I'm like, all right, all right. I'm in the car. I'm like, oh, my God. <laughs> Tarsha. And she was like, yeah. And we're like driving. And while I was driving, I said, honey, that was 16 years. 16 years of I love you. 16 years of cool, man. And in the 16th year, I heard what I long to hear. And some of you had a dad that never was emotionally available. He was physically present but emotionally absent. And you need to be the one to mend the gap. You have to lead up and love your dad in ways that he was not available to love you. Amen? Yeah. Some of you are going to do that today. Some of you are going to go out for Father's Day and you're going to honor your dad. And you can use this message as leverage. It's like, well, we just, I love you, man. You know what I'm saying? You could use this whole message to just leverage that moment to start a conversation. But here's the second thing. You have to have a power source to do that. And your power source to reconcile with your father or whoever was in that role is receiving, receiving the adoption you have as a child of God. 
Now, there's a phrase in the New Testament that you can run past real easily. It's this phrase, in Christ. And that's a positional reality. And what that means is Jesus Christ is seated at the right hand of the Father. And spiritually, we are connected to Jesus right now. So he is connected to, he is God, and he is around the throne with God at the right hand of the throne. And he has all the power available that we can have from God, and we are in him. And by the power of the Holy Spirit, Christ is in us. We are in Christ, and Christ is in us. And when you give your life to Jesus, you now have full access to the Father as if you're sitting right next to him. Full connection. And the way that the Bible puts it, this connection that we have, this access that we have, is in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 and 16. So, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, as if God was just your master, giving you tasks to do every day, telling you what you should be like, but rather, instead, You receive God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him, or some verses, uh, some ways that uh, some versions would say, we cry out to him, Abba, Father. For the spirit joins with our spirit to affirm we are children of God. So when you get saved... You come into a relationship with God, and the Holy Spirit is there to remind you that you aren't just in a relationship like a master and a slave, but you have a father-son relationship. And the Spirit is there to remind you of that. Now, I had a, a good friend that adopted some kids. And the crazy thing is the kids just looked look just like them because it was his wife's children. They were his nieces and nephews, and they adopted them as their own. They had grown up around them, so, you know, when you're in a guest house, you know, you, you ask for everything. You say, where's the bathroom, and can I get a drink, and can I get access to this or that? Because you're in somebody else's home. And then they adopted them. They went through the legal procedures to adopt them as their own children. And mind you, they, they all look alike. And so they had all the advantages. We know you already. We look alike. But one of the things that my friend told me is that it took years for them to feel like I was actually their father. They kept acting like they were guests in my home. I gave them my last name. I, gave, I, I would take them everywhere. But for some reason, they kept treating me as if I was someone taking care of them, not someone that cared for them. And I was their dad now. And he says after a few years, he started to realize, he started to see. Now they, they constantly bother me. <laughs> and now I know they know I'm my, their dad. <laughs> and God, if you are a dad here today, one of the things you struggle with is something I struggle with. I struggle with being fully present for my kids. If my wife tells me one more time, baby, can you just put the phone down and just be here? And I'm like, 
at this point, that is like the tension point in our home. My wife said, can you put, I was like, all right, I was just checking the score. <laughs> like, I get so frustrated. And I, I'm frustrated because she's right. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I go through in my house. And I'm like, I have a hard time being here. And it's easier for me to work on church stuff. It's easier for me to get into scores of games and and to do life mentally somewhere else. I've got a nine-year-old, an eight-year-old, and a two-year-old, and and I've got all girls, praise God. And so, yes, do you feel that? All right. And so the constant nature of connection along with my wife, there are so many times I am depleted and they are still requesting more. And here's what I've realized, not just as a pastor, I say this not to even say it like in a, in a very, um, uh, any kind of like spiritual uh, coercion. I'm telling you this as a practical reality of my life. I am more fully present with my children because I access my fully present Heavenly Father. I stay in constant communication with Him. I don't know how to raise a nine-year-old. I don't. I I don't have enough wisdom. I don't see them all day. I don't understand my daughters like the way I should, but I know who does. And I have access to them. And my Heavenly Father created my daughters, watches my daughters, and loves my daughters more than me. And so far be it for me to deny the full access I have to my Heavenly Father. And so one, I I use that source of access for energy, for power, for insight, for wisdom. But I also use it, as I mentioned before, for healing. Because the fathering you were made for was never fully met in your home. And you have been made for a greater father a father that is always there, and I am being parented daily by my heavenly father. And it makes me available, and it makes me strong. And so you must receive that adoption from God. But thirdly and lastly, once you've reconciled with the past, once you receive that energy source of God's adoption, the third thing is to release a blessing to the children that you are around, to release a blessing. I I, I kid you not, that brother preached my message so well. I think better, praise God. I mean, one of the things he was saying is to encourage people. Well, one of the things that we see, listen, one of the things we see in the Old Testament was that every son would get a blessing from their father. In the Old Testament, in the book of Genesis, It emphasizes a blessing of a father to a son. The patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all gave formal blessings to their children. And in Jacob's case, to some of his grandchildren. Receiving a blessing from your father was the highest honor that you could have. And losing a blessing felt like a curse. An Old Testament blessing to his sons were words of encouragement. It would be details regarding the son's inheritance or his future. And they were the ones that would leave out on their own, start their own family. But in our day, 
It is not just the sons that leave out and do their own thing. Our daughters do too. And now, both our sons and our daughters, our friends, and the people that God has given us stewardship over, the people that are looking towards us for strength and wisdom, they need a blessing to be released from us. In Matthew chapter 17, verse 5, the scripture says, But even as he spoke, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. Listen to him. And it was talking about Jesus. And God the Father was bestowing a blessing on his son Jesus publicly, telling them how much he loved his son. And I believe there are three aspects of a blessing that I pray that you would do regularly, whether you are a father or not, that this would be something that would flow from the fact that you have been blessed to be a blessing to someone else. Three things. The first aspect of a blessing is saying, I love you. When he said that to Jesus, he says, this is my dearly loved son. Publicly letting the world know how much you love your child. We leave our children unequipped for the world when they do not know how much they are loved in our home. And I will tell you this. The love that you do not speak for your kids, there is something out there that will replace it. The words you do not speak into your kid's life, the world has a word to replace it. Every void that you do not speak into their world, the world has a word to replace it. And so, I'm an imperfect dad, you are imperfect dads, you are imperfect leaders, but there's some things we can get right. Make this one of the things you get right. That you will know you are loved. Boy, I can't stand you. You make me frustrated. I tell you stuff all the time, boy, but I love you. That's one thing you're going to know. I love you. And even if you got to bumble it, even if you got to like, if it's your son, you know, you got to bump him. You got to just, you know what I'm saying? You got to make him feel like a punk and then tell him you love him. But, you know, as guys, we got to do that. Whatever you have to do to help them acknowledge how much you love them. Don't let tragedy be the first time they know how much you're loved. Don't let a deathbed be the moment you tell them how much you love them. Make it a habit of your heart to let the people in your life know they are loved, particularly your children. The second thing is how proud of you, how proud of them you are. How proud you are of them. There is something they're getting right. And if you are like me, here's where I struggle. I tend to critique in specifics and praise in generalities. Right? Like if my daughters do something good, I'm like, that was good. That was good. They do something wrong, it's like, see, the next time, see, you know what your problem is? You, you don't do it right. And, you know, I get all, I'm like a lawyer up in that piece. I'll let you know. Right? I get real detailed when I'm angry. 
But I get real general when I praise. And what our children are going to struggle with, and I did 10 years of college ministry. That means for 10 years I received freshmen in college, 18-year-olds. And you can tell the ones that were on a search for identity. The young ladies that needed to hear a man's voice. And so they replaced it with someone else's. The young men that didn't feel strong, so they tried to put on all these muscles and they sprayed on their cologne and they would go to the club and they were just trying to hear words of affirmation. Trying to hear that they're special. Trying to know that they're good at something. And our kids need to know, I'm proud of you, and here's why. And thirdly, our children need to know just simply what they're good at. That what a child is going to do is they're going to attempt a lot of things. And I should be the one guiding you, giving you insight to who you are. You know, in the Old Testament, they would have... Pre, pre-arranged marriages. Now, we obviously aren't going to do that today, but the heartbeat behind it, the thought pattern behind it was, I know you better than everyone else, and I know what you need. And although we may not apply that in marriage, that is the fundamental reality of parenting, that I know you better. I know what you're good at. I know what you're weak at. And kids far too often are well-informed of where they're weak and misinformed of where they're strong. And far be it from you to let your child leave your home or even now to not know what they have been made for, what they are good at. Some of you, your kids are out the house. And you say, man, my kids are already gone. But you're st- listen, your voice is still strong. You are still, if you are alive, God still wants to use you. And God wants to use your voice. And God wants to use the relationship you have with your child. Or whoever it is that is following after you. Well, I have three kids, like I mentioned. Here they are. That's their grandkids. (laughs) Um, My daughter, Faith, she's my little actress and explainer. She has a gift of explaining. She likes to explain everything. She's to the left. And then my other daughter, Leah, to the right, she's my risk taker. And she's witty and just wild, wild child. I love her so much. The child in the middle, we're still figuring that out, but the look on her face pretty much tells you everything. Uh, as you can see, we, our, our genes are not very creative. They all pretty much look alike, uh, but they're all mine, obviously. One day, someone's going to say, hey, what was your dad like? To Sophia, the one in the middle. To, to Leah, the one on the left, they'll say, hey, what? tell me a story about it. To faith, they'll be like, what was, what was it like being around him? And you know what my kids are going to say? They're going to tell some stories of how I was always the one to eat the ice cream. 
And they got mad at me. They're going to say he always left his socks around. They're going to say his gym clothes stink. More likely than not, because I'm imperfect, my kids are going to have some bad stories to tell about me. But one thing I've determined. I will not let my kids leave my house not feeling loved. See, you understand? I'm imperfect. I've been messing it up for nine years, eight years, and two years. And so since I'm going to get some things wrong, I'm going to make sure I get something right. Oh, you're going to know you're loved. I'm going to let you know what you're good at. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to be frustrated with you, but I'm going to bless you. And I wonder if you'd make that the purpose of your heart, too. You say, you know what? I'm just going to bless these kids. Release a blessing to your children. Do not hold it in. They do not know the things you think you, that they know. The positive things, they do not know that as strong as you think. Release it. Don't hold it in. Saturate them in blessing. Saturate them in praise. Saturate them in love. Because we live in a broken world, confusing world, that will suck away all those years that you've been investing in them. So get that one thing right. Father, we love you. We thank you that you are a good, good father. We thank you, God, that you have placed us in a position, God, to just care for people and shepherd people and love on people. And now, God, we pray that today, we pray that you would use this time We pray that we would bless those who we're around. Whether we are a father, a mother, we pray that we would just bless them. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.